0: I wanted to take a moment before I start to tell you about some of the books that I used to help me prepare for this study that I'm going to share with you. first one is Adorned by Nancy DeMoss Wulgemuth. And this is an excellent book, and you can find it in the book cove. Okay, and then the second book that I used was God's Priorities for Today's Woman, and this is by Lisa Hughes. Let's take a minute to pray, and then we can begin. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for each of the dear ladies here tonight. I pray that this time will be an encouragement in the things of God, and that we would strive all the more to be like your Son, Jesus Christ. I pray that we would draw near to your throne with confidence, knowing that even though you were tempted in every way, you did not sin, and that you are sympathetic to our situations in life. Thank you for that, Lord. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of your hearts will be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I have the pleasure of talking about teaching what is good. This is of course from Titus 2, three through five. You've probably heard this in every single seminar that you have gone to. Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. So the first point of this talk is teaching what is good. Who is to do the teaching? In The verse in Titus tells us that the older women are to teach the younger women. Each of us is older than someone and younger than someone else. We all can teach someone younger than ourselves. I remember I was invited to a brunch many years ago with a number of ladies from the church, and the topic was about older women and what they teach. I thought to myself, I'm not an older woman. But as I grow older, I realize the wisdom of that opportunity that God has put before me. We are all going to become older women unless the Lord returns first. I think the younger ladies sitting here are wondering if this talk is for them. They might be thinking, I'm not even close to being an older woman. You're exactly right. But at your age, you are forming the habits that will make you a Titus 2 woman. This woman is a woman whose opinion is valued in the church and in the world because she is a woman that is self-controlled, kind, caring, and loves those around her. She has the servant heart of Christ and desires to live her life bringing honor and glory to the Lord. She is a shining light in the darkness. She is a Proverbs 31 woman. You are at a perfect time in your life to start thinking and doing the things that will make you a respected lady in every area of your life. The world tells you to keep your eye on your appearance, and that is important to a degree. But you are called by God to focus on the beauty of godly character and a right heart. Nancy DeMoss Wilgamoth says, One way you can do that is to befriend an older woman. I am not up here because I have perfected the character of an older woman, but because I want God's character molded and formed in my life. I look at my life and often see only weakness and lack compared to Jesus. We need to be sure that until we enter glory or meet him in the air, Our hearts should be focused on growing, learning, and following our precious Savior. Jerry Bridges, in his book, The Practice of Godliness, says, It is impossible to build Christian behavior patterns without the foundation of a devotion to God. Our concept of God and our relationship with him determine our conduct. How do you become an older woman that Titus is talking about? Ecclesiastes 12.1a tells us, Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. The way to being a Titus 2 older woman is to remember the God of your youth. Delight in him. Do you let thoughts of the world fill your mind? I'm sorry. Do you let thoughts of the Lord fill your mind? Do you memorize verses, and will you let this commitment to Christ set the course of your life? Will you live each day for your good in his glory, developing spiritual maturity in your youth? What will you ble- will bless you and those around you now and in your old age? Psalm 143.10 says, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God let your good spirit lead me on level ground and the result of this maturity in christ is found in psalm 40 verse 3. he put a new song in my mouth a song of praise to our god many will see and fear and put their trust in the lord i had the pleasure of being at a banquet recently where avery johnson spoke the former Spur continues to be on fire for the Lord. He has a new song in his mouth, a song of praise to our God, and it was a blessing to watch. In Psalm seventy-one seventeen, the psalmist says, O oh God, you have taught me from my youth, and I still declare your wondrous steeds. And even when I am old and gray, O oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation and your power to all who are to come. This is the opportunity for older women to share their lives with younger women so that the Lord will be honored in the church. Probably my favorite verse in Proverbs is Proverbs twenty twenty nine, which states, The glory of young men is their strength but the splendor of old men is their gray hair. So as you grow older, you are known for who you are and not so much for what you do. Your character stands out. So our first point was teaching what is good, and our second point is becoming a woman of character. 2 Timothy 2.24a tells us that the Lord's servant, must not be quarrelsome but kind to everyone able to teach ladies we need to take every thought captive and make it obedient unto Christ second second Corinthians 10 5b the first step to being a woman of character we control our thoughts through the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives John 14. 26 stated but the helper the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that i have said to you to teach at any level whether you are in the home with children teaching in sunday school leading someone in partners or going through a book study we are god's instruments To think that God would use us to carry his message to individuals who either need to know the Lord or grow in their understanding of him. We need to thank him for the opportunities he gives us. So we've dealt with teaching what is good, becoming a woman of character. And now we will talk about understanding good in terms of teaching continuing on with the phrase we are working on teaching what is good i would like us to think about what is good when we read romans 3:10b and 11 none is righteous no not one no one understands no one seeks after god we realize that god is speaking about unbelievers and believers so how can we grow in goodness in the sight of god The only way any person can be righteous or good in the sight of God is through the blood of his precious son, Jesus Christ. His blood is what cleanses us, and the Holy Spirit renews us and makes our thoughts, our words, and our actions pleasing in his sight. If you are unsure as to exactly how to do that, please talk with one of the leaders about receiving that personal relationship with him. There are many, many definitions for the word good in the 1828 Webster's Dictionary. I only pick three. One is complete and sufficiently perfect in its kind. God, in Genesis 1.31, calls his creation very good. God, looking over his completed creation, and appreciating what had been accomplished. Another definition states, having moral qualities best adapted to its design and use, or the qualities which God's law requires. Romans 8, I'm sorry, Romans 5, 7 and 8, for one will scarcely die for an unrighteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ, in his sinless perfection, died for us, fulfilling the requirement of the law. The last definition that I chose is useful, valuable, having qualities, or a tendency to produce a good effect. This definition caused me to think of Ruth and Naomi. Let's look at the story of Ruth. She was a Moabite. The Moabite nation was not a friend of Israel, yet she had married an Israelite, Milan. Her mother-in-law was Naomi. Ruth chose to go with her to Bethlehem instead of going back to her own family. Naomi was not in a good place at, her, at this time in her life. She had lost her husband and her two sons. She had nothing to offer to Ruth. Ruth's husband had died and as Naomi said to her in Ruth 1, 11 through 13a, "'Turn back, my daughters. "'Why will you go with me? "'Have I yet sons in my womb "'that they may become your husbands? "'Turn back, my daughters. "'Go your way for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they are grown? Naomi is stating the facts. Then in Ruth one fourteen c it says, but Ruth clung to her. Pastor John MacArthur states, Ruth in not leaving Naomi is testifying to her conversion from worshiping Chemosh to Jehovah of Israel. She is showing her loyalty to her husband's family. As Naomi returned to Bethlehem, she asked to be called Mara, which means bitter. Because in her mind, the Almighty had dealt very bitterly with her. Ruth upon arriving in Bethlehem was ready for action. With the permission of her mother-in-law, she went to glean in the fields, and by the grace of God, she ended up in the fields of Boaz. We all know the story, but with Naomi's sage advice, the Lord blessed them, and there was a good effect, not only for Ruth and Boaz, but for all of Israel. How do we walk in a manner that is good? After we have accepted Christ as our personal Savior, we love him and those around us. We honor him in our words and actions, and we obey him. Because of the relationship that we have with our Lord, one would think that living here among Christians would be easy. But God's plan leaves us in the flesh and living in a worldly environment. So with that said, we will sin. But thanks be to God that we have an advocate, Jesus Christ, who will hear our confessions, forgive our sins, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1.9. Micah 6.8 states, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? This can only be done as God opens our eyes to who he is and covers us with the blood of our Savior. Pastor John MacArthur states the 50, 60, 70, 80 years that women have lived have shown them God, and God is to be trusted. They don't doubt. They don't question God. They never lose their trust in God's good intention They never lose their confidence in God's plan. They never lose their hope in God's sovereignty to fulfill it. They never accuse God of disappointing them. They never doubt the truth of scripture. They never question the power of the Holy Spirit. They never question whether the gospel can save. They know they've seen it. With all the years that Pastor MacArthur is talking about, the older women have seen God working in and through them. You can cling to the word of God, and that is enough. Even when there is a difficult situation, you can say, I want to do what God would have me to do and honor him. I don't have to follow my feelings on whatever path they may lead me. We know that God is faithful to his promises, and he will provide. God knows exactly what we need in every area of our lives. Titus, in Titus 2, 11 and 12, we read, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. There are many different characteristics of being a Titus II woman, but the most important aspect is to make sure that you know what you truly believe. Doctrine is vitally important in your walk with the Lord. If you have good doctrine, you will have good fruit. If you have bad doctrine, you will have bad fruit. Doctrine is foundational to how we live. Doctrine is the complete body of truth revealed in scripture that explains and defines our faith. If your doctrine is not centered on Christ, you will miss the mark and you will not get to where you want to go. Our calling is in accordance with sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is a means of keeping us healthy. Sound doctrine lived out changes everything about us, and ultimately it transforms the culture through us and around us. Titus 1.9 tells us he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Our ultimate purpose is to make much of God. In our society today, we are constantly being watched. We see traffic cams. We see homes with security cameras and stores with cameras inside and outside watching for thieves. The most important thing, though, is that God is watching. Our society is deceptive in trying to draw us away from the true church. We need to see how our lives can portray the gospel so beautifully that others see in us the transforming power of Christ and are drawn to know and follow him. Nancy DeMoss Wilgamuth stated that a reverent woman, I love this phrase, a reverent woman understands that she has been set apart by God for sacred service. And she acts like it. Reverent means living with the constant conscious awareness that we are in the presence of an awesome holy God. God's presence is a place of abundance, of soul-satisfying, pure delight, a place, as the psalmist declared, where there is fullness of joy, Psalm 1611. So when we have continuous interruptions and constant irritations, and we are not feeling like we are reverent in our attitude we must renew our focus and remind ourselves that we are in the presence of a holy god i will concede that in my life there are times when i have forgotten that i that the great i am is with me in those moments i need to revive reverence i'm sorry i need to revive my reverence for the awesome god that i serve when we think of living reverent lives all the time, my prayer is that we will know that God is watching, and that we will serve Him with wholehearted devotion and desire to please Him in every way. Lisa Hughes tells us that we are to recognize the source of wisdom. James 3:17 and 18 tells us that the wisdom from above is pure, then peaceable, gentle open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. She continues by saying this is a direct contradiction to the world, to the wisdom of the world. The only place that true wisdom can come from is God. So seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you, Matthew 6.33. We are to fix our eyes on heaven, preparing for the work that God has for us to do. Now, 1 Peter 1.13 says, Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's make sure that we are truly studying his word, praying for his wisdom, and applying his words in our lives. Don't let your age be an impediment, whether we are too young or too old. That is not the point. The factor is the heart of the person. Paul encouraged Timothy, since many thought he was too young. Let no one despise you for your youth but set the believers an example in the speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. 1 Timothy 4.12 Paul considered Timothy his true child in the faith. We are encouraged to let time do its work. I don't know if you feel the same way that I do, but I always want to mature faster than I actually do. Some of the lessons in life I am working on seem to take forever, to take root in my life. But I rejoice in the God who knows my future, and he is working it out in his time and in his way. Lisa Hughes closes this section of her book by quoting the old hymn, Take Time to Be Holy. The phrases in the hymn tell the story of our lives. The first stanza goes, Take Time to Be Holy, Speak oft with thy Lord, abide in him always, and feed on his word. Make friends with God's children, help those who are weak, forgetting in nothing his blessing to seek. We need to make the gospel of Christ beautiful to the outside world. We need to show the world that we believe what we claim, that we will trust in the Lord in the most difficult of situations. You see, God has placed us here on earth as ambassadors of the gospel of Christ, and we are called as his followers to make his love and his truth visible and believable. Let me give you an example from the book, Evidence Not Seen, by Darlene Diebler Rose. We just did this in the summer book study, and if you haven't had a chance to read it, I highly recommend it. Darlene Diebler Rose was a missionary to the Dutch East Indies, during World War II she was taken prisoner by the Japanese and put in a prison camp she described the camp commander Mr. Yamaji like this a short fat man with bow legs he paced back and forth before those lines of women and children and a few remaining men his face was round and moonlike and his dark eyes watched from behind large dark-rimmed glasses his haircut His black hair was crew-cut, short, and spiky. When he issued commands, his parted lips revealed tobacco-stained teeth. He was dressed in lightweight, khaki-uniform short pants with knee socks. We were to learn that when his temper was aroused, he was like a man who had gone berserk. He could be deathly ruthless. Knowing this about Mr. Yamaji, Darlene was called to his office when he knew that she knew that her husband had died in another prison camp. Her response to his words was, Mr. Yamaji, I don't sorrow like people who have no hope. I want to tell you about someone of whom you have never heard. I learned of him when I was a little girl in Sunday school back in Boone, Iowa, in America. His name is Jesus. He's the son of almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth. Tears started to course down her cheeks, his cheeks. He died for you, Mr. Yamaji, and he puts love in our hearts, even for those who are our enemies. That's why I don't hate you, Mr. Yamaji. Maybe God brought me to this place in this time to tell you he loves you. Darlene, greatly moved by the Holy Spirit, was selfless in that time. She was adorning the gospel of Jesus Christ. She wasn't thinking of her loss to the point that she could not focus her attention on those living that desperately needed a savior, including Mr. Yamaji. We have covered teaching what is good, becoming a woman of character, understanding God in terms of teaching, good in terms of teaching, and now we will finish with living out our responsibilities. The next area that I will cover is, as we mature, we would be willing to step into the responsibilities that Christ would want us to do in the church. Are we ready to minister to younger women who need encouragement? Ephesians 2.10 tells us, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Nancy DeMoss Wilgamoth tells the story of a woman, Joy Brown, in a church in Denton, Texas, who was in her 70s. She was an eager student of the word, and she was considered a godly woman. She was approached by her pastor to lead a Bible study. She told him she didn't think she was ready. Hearing this, we might wonder, ma'am, if you're not ready, who is? But many of us, whatever our age or experience, could be asked the same thing and feel the same way. But the pastor was persistent. He wanted this enormous wealth of knowledge, experience, and perseverance to be shared with a younger generation who could use what this woman could teach. He assigned her to teach a small group of teenagers. She was scared to death. What would those young people possibly want to hear from an old woman like her? But she dove into the assignment by studying scripture, filling notepad after notepad, and developing detailed lesson plans. Six months into her meetings with the girls, She had hardly touched her notes. The teens were so full of questions about life, parents, sex, sin, alcohol, school, and marriage. Joy drew from her knowledge of the word and the experience of her long life, including her weaknesses, imperfections, and struggles, to respond to their questions, seeding these young hearts with biblical wisdom And perspective. She continued teaching that way well into her 90s. The generations of young women who sat under her teaching became known around church as the Brownies and they tagged along behind her like ducklings following their mother. Young women in our world today are bombarded with false teaching and need someone to counter these constant messages. They need the voice of someone who teaches others what is truly good. They need someone who will reach out to them over an ice cream cone or a cup of coffee and encourage them to follow the God of the universe that loves them. Assure them that you will be there to listen, give biblical advice, love them, and pray for them, with them. It is a time commitment, but the blessings of the process are innumerable. God considers women to be unique. He has given us a specific ministry to one another. Paul didn't assign Titus the responsibility to teach younger women. Pastor MacArthur tells us that he was called to teach sound doctrine to the church, and he left personal discipleship and nurture of the younger women to the older women. What a blessing that we get to do this. We need to realize that teaching what is good cannot be accomplished in one meeting and everything's fine. The cultivation of new thinking patterns is so much more. It is the fruit of an ongoing process, a commitment. This message is for all of us because each of us is an older woman to somebody and each of us is a younger woman to someone else. In different ways, in different seasons, we can be on the giving or receiving end of this life-to-life process. Nancy demoss Wilgamuth states, a sense of personal failure keeps many older women from embracing this kind of ministry and these relationships. We may look at the inconsistencies and the battles in our own lives and think, how in the world could God use me to make a difference in anyone's life? None of us measures up to what we long to be. Teach out of your failure. Use them to point others to the amazing grace of God and to the Savior who can redeem sinners. The sharing of relationship between older and younger women would be neither effective nor needful if each of us, if any of us, had it all together. The bottom line is that God is able to use everything about us, our victories and our failures. None of us belongs on the sidelines. She continues by saying that she has observed older women dare to return from the sidelines and get back in the race, discovering that young women really want and need from them, not an impressive personality or resume, but simply a heart that truly desires Christ and is seeking to obey him. We will all have difficult times in our relationships in life. We need to remember that we are not alone. God is right there with us, teaching, caring, and loving us to the very end. Remember that God loves us the same on our best day and on our worst day. Older and younger women need each other. Older women need to pour their lives into younger women. Older women need to be about the business of praying for younger women and encouraging them. And younger women, in recognizing the value of the older women, have the opportunity to glean from their wisdom and faith that is being poured into their lives. But we need teachable hearts willing to adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ. This, sanctification, this is the sanctification process, and it doesn't happen overnight. Our lifestyles for years as mothers is teaching the word of God to our children, that they may understand him for themselves. When they are grown and out of the house, we still have the truth within us, and we want to continue to share that with younger women. We want to continue to pour into the lives of younger women that need the words of years of experience. I personally am very excited to see that many women in our church are taking on the responsibility of training their daughters to live for the Lord. And my prayer is that they will take the opportunity to share that wisdom with other young ladies in the church in their time. Nancy concludes, we're meant to experience the strength and encouragement that flows out of doing life together helping each other live the gospel-adorned lives that in turn adorn the gospel in the eyes of the world. Psalm 133.1 tells us, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers, or in our case sisters, dwell in unity. Okay, that concludes my presentation, and I understand that I am supposed to dismiss you. So, Thank you. okay.